You know, it is what it is. It's cold, but it's okay. We're going to survive it. And uh, my sweet wife is in Texas, and they've had highs in the 20s. So I don't feel bad for us. All right? <laughs> so we've been talking about the church, and um, we are going to wrap this up today. But we, we've been talking about uh, different aspects of the church, and we've been having, whether you realize it or not, a theological discussion about the church and what it is. And we started how, uh, we started how the, the centrality of the church, how the promise made to Abraham uh, that all the nations will be blessed through him uh, was fulfilled in the church because of what Jesus did. And so that, that all of history is centered around what Jesus did in the creation of the church. We talked about the oneness of the church, how there is uh, a unity throughout all of, all of the earth for everyone who follows Christ, how we are all here in existence uh, to follow the King and to make Him the center of everything. And then last week we talked about the finality of the church and how it is the only earthly organization or entity that will exist forever. And we talked about the, the eternal afterlife that, that comes for those of us who are part of the church. Today we're going to, to wrap this up and we're going to bring it home, a little closer to home, if you will, and talk about kind of how we fit into this big picture and, and more of a sense on, on how we relate as leaders and as, as lay people, as people who are part of the congregation. Um, and, and so what does that relationship look like and what it's supposed to look like? And, uh, and so we're going to go from there. So we're going to get some help from Paul today in Ephesians chapter 4. So I ask you to turn with me there. Now, the, little, the background of Ephesians is Paul's history in Ephesus was not really good. If you know the story, uh, there was a riot that happened because uh, Paul was leading all these people to Christ. And uh, one of the people, uh, Demetrius, I believe was his name, he, he made idols for the, the goddess Artemis. And he became angry, and so he got a riot, so we got to get rid of these people because they're going to put us out of business. Uh, and so this riot happened, and eventually Paul left and had to flee, and now he's writing a letter back to the church that he'd started to encourage them and help them to deal with some of the issues that they were facing. Um, and so it's on page 1175, if you're using the Pew Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to camp out in verses 11 through 14, but I want us to read 1 through 16 to kind of get the context, if we could. So uh, Ephesians 4, verse 1, page 1175. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What, he, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and, of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their des- deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right, so back to verse 11. Let's, let's just kind of work our way through this because uh, I think there's some real significant stuff for us. So, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. All right, so there's a whole sermon right there about the, the different offices, if you will. Um, and so we're not going to camp out there so much to say that let's just say we're talking about the leadership of the church. Okay, and if we can, we'll maybe do another sermon later on on the different apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, but but so let's just talk about those who lead, uh, whether it's uh, pastor, elders, staff, whoever it is. Uh, those those who lead, we're going to put those in that category. Okay, so but here's what I want you to see in verse 11 is that Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So you ready for this? I'm your gift from Christ. (laughs) And you're my gift to me. But think about that, right? And and, and those those words can be used to a bad advantage, and I get that. Um, And and some pastors have used that. but, but, But realizing that this relationship is something that Christ set up a long time ago. I mean, long before the 17 years ago when it started, it's something that, that was, was determined a long, long time ago. It's really cool to imagine that, that, that this whole setup was something that God ordained and put together. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful, okay? So it is something that we need to treasure, okay, and enjoy and take in and accept and, and love each other. All right, but what I want us to focus on today is, is what follows that, is those of us who are in leadership, here's what we're called to do, okay? So look with me at verse 12. He put these people in place to equip his people. All right, we're going to stop with that phrase, and then we'll do the rest of it in a minute. This reality exists, this relationship exists, and and this was preordained so that those of us who lead could equip people. Now, somewhere along the way, we lost that. That this is about a show, or this is about being entertained, or about this is the, being the, the place that you want to be because uh, your needs are most, most met, whatever. But the idea is, is that those of us who lead in a local community of faith representing the whole world, the, the, the whole church, our job is to equip. To give you the tools that you need specifically to become Christ-like. It's our job to equip. It's our job to give you what you need so that you can become who Christ designed you to be. It's not our job to do it for you. It's not our job to live it for you. It's not our job to do all of the study for you. It's not our job to do all the praying for you. It's our job to equip you with the tools that you need so that you can reach Christ-likeness. 
That's the call that's been given from the beginning of time. That's who we're supposed to be as the leaders of the church. To give you the tools that you need to become who God designed you to be. Okay, so I had lunch with a friend this week. And um, uh, we see each other probably twice a year. He lives in Tampa, and he'll come up here for business. And uh, so we, we have lunch, and we usually be like a two-and-a-half or three-hour lunch. So we sat down to eat, and we spent the first 15 obligatory minutes complaining about the Cowboys. And, and, and then, of the whole two-and-a-half hours, an hour-and-a-half to an hour and 45 minutes was spent me listening to him complain about his church. Okay, now let me, let me, before you get upset about that, let me tell you who he, I mean, he used to be a pastor, he's now in business, and, and so, uh, and just as a side note, it's really cool when you haven't seen someone in a couple of years, and you sit down and have lunch, it's like you never left. You know, it's just that kind of relationship. So anyway, he, he started talking about his church. So he goes to a church in Tampa, I won't mention the name of it, but it's a humongous church. I mean, humongous church. And uh, he started describing it to me. He, for example, they have 250 staff members. Okay? So, yeah, so process that, right? More than we have in our room today. Uh, there's t- 250 staff members. So there were a lot of things he was, he was concerned about. And, and his general term was, we are this wide and this deep. And he said, you know, I, I've, and, and he's well-connected uh, in the church. And, and he said, I, I sat down with the pastor, and I said, you know, that we're talking about what's next for the church. And he went to the pastor and said, you know, well, let's get a group of men, 50 men, and, and let's just go away for a weekend and fast and pray and see what God leads. See how God leads us. And the response he got just, it broke my heart. He said, I'm just not really into that mystical stuff. I was like, okay, that would upset me too. I was there, right? But, so in, in context of what we're talking about today, though, here, here's what he said that, that I, I want you to, to catch from this conversation. Um, he said, we have 250 staff members. And he said, we have a church full of leaders, business leaders, lawyers, doctors, and, and people who could, who could lead. And he said, not one of them ever gets a chance to lead. He said, whenever we need a new ministry, we hire somebody to do it. I said, it's crushing me, what we're doing. And see, I, I tell you that not to depress you or anything like that, but, but to let you see, here's what's happened to the American church in general, is that we have turned the position of pastor from equipper to CEO. That's what's happened. And so a CEO, what a CEO does is a CEO has to grow the business so that the stockholders can make more money. And when the stockholders make more money, they're happy with the CEO, right? A CEO pastor does a similar thing. As long as the organization does well, we're happy with you. And that's the focus of the sermons and and how they live and what they do as a congregation. And somewhere along the way, we've lost this idea and this reality that the idea is is not to stand and perform and, and to give you and do everything for you, but to give you the tools that you need to equip you to become who God has designed you to become. And so we, we have to be very, very careful to not cross that line. We have to be very careful to, to not make it about 
oh, we hired this guy to do that, or we hired that person to do that, or we, no. We hired that person to equip ourselves so that we can reach our full potential in Christ. You see, we, we are on this journey of faith, and, and the great commission that Jesus gave to the disciples before he left said, said go and make disciples. Right? And really, as you go, make disciples. It wasn't go and make people say a prayer. It wasn't go and make sure that people say a prayer and then are baptized. It was go and make disciples. A disciple, another word for disciple is apprentice. That our call is to make apprentices of Jesus Christ. And to move people towards Christ-likeness. And our job as leaders is to give you the tools to be able to pull that off. Right? And, and man, that's, that is so key. It is so key for us to understand that you can't have anybody do your spiritual gig for you. You just can't. You know, and you've heard me say it a million times. If this is the only Bible teaching and Bible study that you get is what happens here on Sunday morning, you're going to have a very, very shallow faith. Well, I don't know any other way to say it. Our, our teachers who teach our Bible study classes, they tell you the same thing. You know, if, if all you get is what we give you, you're not going to have any biblical knowledge. And very little. But what we can do is give you the tools so that you can, can go and learn how to, to use that. So, so the one side of this is then, first of all, that we are to equip you. And then you keep reading in the passage, and Paul tells us then what we're supposed to equip you to do. Okay, so now we're moving from my responsibility to your job. You ready? All right, it's about to get personal now. So I want to make sure you're ready for this. All right? Okay, so we equip so that in verse 12, to equip his people, first of all, for works of service. So we are here as followers of Jesus to do ministry. All right? We don't pay people to do ministry. We all do ministry. How many times have you heard me say, we don't come to church, we are the church? And everywhere we go, we are the church. We represent Jesus Christ. In the restaurant today, in the grocery store tomorrow, at work tomorrow, wherever we are, we are the church. And so we are called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. We're called to meet needs, and so we, we give you opportunities to, to connect to the community, to serve the community so that you can see the priority of that. We, we try to work very hard to, to give you opportunity to come up with your own stuff and support you in that as far as ministry goes, and on and on it goes. We, we provide these opportunities so that you learn to serve and understand and, and come to the point where you're not dependent on us creating opportunities to serve, but you just do it as a part of who you are. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay? It goes on. So, uh, to equip people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. So there is a, a common faith, a common connection, a common belief. We, we talked about that in the oneness just a couple of weeks ago. But, but this reality that we all have the same love for Jesus and the same pursuit of what he wants us to be. So I'm not going to camp out on that one very long. Uh, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And there is the equipping so that you can have the knowledge of truth. Please hear me when I say, and, and I've said this a lot recently, 
But the time is coming where it's going to be more and more and more important that you understand what truth is. We're living in a culture and we're living in a time when truth is being challenged all the time. Don't hear me say persecution. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is it's no longer normal or becoming less and less normal to be a follower of Jesus. And what is happening is, is people are giving an altered version of truth. And unless we know the truth, unless we have the knowledge of the truth, then we're not going to be ready when the difficulties come. It's a big deal. Right? And then the whole reason that all of this happened, well, let me, let's skip down to verse 14 first. So when we have knowledge, verse 14, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. How many times in churches have people been led astray because they didn't have an understanding of truth? So, all of that happens then, as Paul says, so that we move on to maturity. That word maturity is a cool word. It really means perfection or completeness. And as followers of Jesus, our job is to move forward in towards completeness, to becoming everything that Jesus wants us to be. That this maturity is that when we go out into the world, we, we are confronted with false teaching. We stop and we say, wait a minute, that's, something's not right there. And not that we attack or not that we bring war against those people, but that we just know the truth. And, and here's the deal, is that we can equip you with all of the tools. But if you don't make it personal, and you don't make it a part of your journey, the tools are useless. So uh, Josh and I, my son, we, uh, we go and lift weights every Tuesday. And I've often wondered if... When we go to lift weights, if I could just stay home and he could lift weights for me, then it would help me. If I could say, look, Josh, um, I need you to work on my left leg a little bit because my knee's messed up. So when you go and lift, would you do extra leg work today so it would help my legs? Well, what's the problem with that? It doesn't work. Right? And so, and the truth is, any one of you, you can come to me and say, would you work out for me? Well, yeah, I will, but it's not going to do you a bit of good. I'll work out extra hard for you, but it's not going to help your journey at all. It's not going to help your body one bit. And, and we have to realize that the tools are there, but I can't make you use them. I was thinking this week how many times I've, I've sat in front of you and, and modeled my prayer life for you. Not that my prayer life is fantastic, but this is what it looks like. Let's use the Lord's Prayer, or we'll use it as the model to hang our prayers on, and we'll, we'll model prayer after what Jesus did, and this is what it looks like for me. Not that you need to repeat the words, but you need to go and practice prayer. And we can pray here, and, and I can teach you all about prayer, but if you leave here and you don't go pray, there's not a thing I can do about it. I mean, now we could do the church linebacker thing again and have you come out of your house and, and have them tackle you and say, why didn't you pray today? Get back in the house. But see, you have to decide that it's a priority. I can't make you do that. I can teach you how, how to read Scripture and how to study it. And we go through verse by verse books on Wednesday night every week. 
just about every week. But you have to take the scripture and you have to let the spirit guide you in it on your own. I can't make you do that. You have to choose to do that. I can't make you get time alone where you meditate on the scripture and on God and who he is. You have to choose to do that. And we have to realize that the tools are there, but you have to decide that it matters. This week we had a really cool thing happen here in Jacksonville. Um, Nick Foles, the quarterback for the Jaguars, is going to start playing again. And I hope that's a good thing, and, and I hope he does a great job, and I hope he holds the Lombardi Trophy up again. Um, but they interviewed him, and I want to show you this video clip. And they asked him a question about his injury. You know, the first game he got hurt, and he's been out this whole time. Um, and, and, but here was his response, and I want you to listen to his response in context of everything we've been saying. Okay? Though week after week not playing, you're a football player. You're watching this young kid go out. This Minshew mania is going crazy. I know you're a man of faith, and I know you're trying, but you're also human. I mean, ever any doubts coming up in your mind as you go through that? No, that's where you know, right when this, right when I felt this thing break, and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people, but at the end of the day, as I got, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action, um, good or bad, and you know, I still could have joy in an injury. Um, and that, that's people hear that and say that's crazy, but it's like when you believe in Jesus and you you go out there and you play, and that's that changes your heart. And you only understand it when you know that purpose in your life. Just like when I hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, the reason I'm smiling is my faith was in Christ. In that moment, I. Really realized I didn't need that trophy to define who I was because it was already in Christ. And that's my message when I play. Same thing happens when I get injured. We tend to make this so much about us as human beings. We tend to make it about us as athletes. It's not about us. It really isn't. If you make it about yourself, you're probably going to go home at night, lay your head on your pillow and be very alone and very sad. And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life because my purpose isn't football, it's impacting people. And I, my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing that is difficult from a fleshly perspective, but from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm at a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but that's how I go through life. And the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So um, when I step on the field, I'm going against a man in Frank Reich, who's very similar. He's a guy that I admire more than anything. He's a guy that has impacted my life so much, and he's going to be on the opposing sideline. So um, that's going to be fun. Okay. Process this with me for a minute. Do you think that he became that person by coming to church on Sunday and checking off the list and never interacting with God again? No. <laughs> so what did he do? He, he took the tools that were given to him and he invested himself with the tool. There's no question. Because you saw in there ministry. So I, I'm, my ministry is the locker room right now. And I know he knows that's not always going to be the case. Um, 
you know, uh, but so, but, but there's, there's a ministry there. And you notice that he was established in truth. Where he, he talked about a teaching he didn't agree with. And it wasn't that he was attacking that teaching. It was just like, I know this to be the truth and this is what I believe. And so the point in, in, in showing that video is, is, I think it's awesome that he's here. And, and I'm, I'm amazed to watch what he's going to do and, and see the impact that he's going to have for the kingdom. Um, but we, we, have, we have to realize that to get to the point where he was able to do that, he invested himself a lot in Scripture, in prayer, in, I'm sure, meditation and worship and focus on who God is and who God wants him to be. You don't just make that happen, right? So I'm not trying to get you ready for your next press conference. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand that this journey, you, you have the tools. The tools are there. But when you walk out this door, I can't make you live it. I can't make you go home tomorrow and pick up your, your Bible and read it. I can't do it. I can't make you sit down or kneel down or however you, whatever position you're in when you pray, I, I can't make you hang out with God. You know, and it's not my job to do that. It's my job to, to model, best I can, what it means to follow Christ. And to provide the tools so that you can do the same. Now, I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you I've done that perfectly. I'm, that's not the point. I, there, this week has confirmed for me some things that we need to work on. But the truth is, we all have to decide that this matters. So hear me when I say that there are going to be fewer and fewer and fewer of us who pursue the kingdom of God in this country. I'm not saying that to say the country's bad. That's, that's, don't hear me say that. What I'm telling you is that faith in Christ is going to become less and less common. And we're going to have to be more and more ready to live out the faith in a world that doesn't accept it. Frankly, I think big picture, that's going to be good for us. But right now, while there's peace in it, I encourage you to get ready. Invest in the scripture, invest in prayer, invest in meditation. Do the fasting thing, if you can do that. Uh, not only be a part of worship, but worship on your own. And, and let the king be the most important part of your life. And like he said... Bad times are going to come. But my identity is not in my career. My identity is in Christ. And whatever happens in my journey, my identity is going to stay in Christ. And that's big. That's big. So I, I want to challenge you today that we as followers of Jesus, we, we take the tools that, that God has given us and we use them and we grow. And no matter what the world throws at us, we won't live as infants tossed about by false teaching or tossed about by hard times, but we will stay strong and focused and become mature in the sense that we are moving towards that completion and perfection. Right? So take the tools you have, use them, apply them, make them a part of your journey, 
And I tell you, even though you may not be facing a difficulty now, you will be really glad you do when the difficulty shows up. Because it's then that we fall and we trust.